Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 22 of the LSQ Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny LSQ. So excited in this episode to share with you a nice, long, and rambling conversation with one of my favorite artists ever, singer-songwriter Kurt Vile. Um, I chatted with him in New York last fall on his tour bus outside the venue Brooklyn Steel, where Kurt and his band The Violators were playing that very night, and they're about to be back on tour again in North America starting in the next few days. So check KurtVile.com for info on that. And after the interview with Kurt, you'll hear an excerpt from an early aughts conversation I had with Rivers Cuomo about his love of metal. But yeah, before we get to that, let's get into this. There was a moment in like the late 2000s, like mid to late 2000s, that uh, luckily you could still give somebody a CDR if you had to. You didn't have to give them a link and you could still like put out vinyls and CDR. You could put out the actual physical stuff and people would uh, give it a good album, co- you know, give it a good DIY cover and people would look at it and be able to put it in something. But now everything's a link, isn't it? How about that for rambling on? <laughs> <laughs> that is, after all, what we're here to do. I'm spacing out, you know. Don't worry, but feel free to, if you need to, I know you're no, no, on no. a show night if you need no, to check no. your... <laughs> I wanted to tell you real quick. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what this riff is? You know what that is? I don't. Does it sound familiar? It's uh, it's Escapade by... It's the hook in Escapade oh, by Janet Jackson. Oh, that part I added. Uh, it's supposed to be higher, really, but. <laughs> so, when did you first uh, have an interest in playing music? And did you get the banjo from your dad before you wanted to play it, or did you request an instrument? No, I, I wanted a guitar for sure. I had a cousin. I still have him, <laughs> but I had him too. Uh, my cousin Dan, Dan Bauer. He, uh, we were, you know, he he was a, like my older brother, because um, I don't have any older brothers. But he lived down the street, and he played drums, and he would 
I, you know, he had bands and stuff before me, and he, he, I was trying to get a guitar, and there was a year, my parents, they were going to give me a guitar for Christmas or surprise me or something, but I was, they said I was particularly bad that year. He's like, we were going to get you a guitar, but you've been so bad that we're not doing it. So, uh, the next year, my dad was like, I'll get you a banjo for your birthday. This my, would be my 14th birthday. And, uh, I was like, I don't know. Uh, sounds dorky. And then my cousin said, oh, that's pretty cool. It's unique. Maybe you could be in my band. Something like that. And then, but also the, what, what really sold me, because my dad would always be playing bluegrass music, which I like. I was a little embarrassed when he played it for my friends. And other times it was entertaining. It was funny. He would, like at my birthday parties, he'd be playing a song like Ruby, Honey, Are You Mad at Your Man? It's like, Ruby! Like very, he'd be dancing, you know? <laughs> uh, I forget who did that. Uh, a bunch of people do it. That's, I guess, the beauty of country music and old time music. They, they all do all the, you know, these traditionals. But anyway, uh, my dad drove SEPTA trains and the, the, a SEPTA conductor was going to... He's going to buy this banjo off the septic conductor, and uh, he played. The guy called me on the phone, the telephone, you know, the beautiful telephone, not the cell phone. It sounds good. You play into this telephone. He played me this banjo. He's like, oh, here, this is uh, Foggy Mountain Breakdown. And he's like, this is, here's Cripple Creek. But he played it through the phone. It sounded really cool through the phone. Uh, so that that sold me. But why, why? I mean, I am curious, though, what you could have possibly done that would have been so bad the year that well, you were 13. Nothing. It couldn't have been that bad, but but also, did I probably you... just want, I wanted freedom and they didn't give it to me. I was hanging out with certain people that were allowed to do whatever they want or even just, I don't know, go out at all. And, and they were like, no. And they, they were like, not let me go out at certain things. And I, would, I remember I kicked, I kicked in, a, I kicked in like the, the door to my, you know, the downstairs cabinets, things like that. No guitar for you. Instead, you have to learn because an instrument you don't really want to learn. Out. You don't really want to. Here's an instrument you don't really want to learn. Oh, but I'm so glad it. that I started. They started on it though, because it's got an open tuning and it's got the high drone string and enough of the band. Like first, I was listening to alternative music and grunge music, like anybody else, you know, mixed with some classic rock. You know, everybody likes Jimi Hendrix as a kid. You know, get the ultimate experience on CD or something some collection and then there was smashing pumpkins i loved them of course but then like all of a sudden once like the indie rock bands came through like oh it's got a mind of its own yeah it's not gonna mess <laughs> with this is this okay i think okay. it'll just turn off on its own but let's just uh not let's let it put it through some uh let's put it let's not let it bother us put it through some kind of filter yeah well anyway so like even but anyway eventually there was a gateway there was a cool time on, on uh like modern rock and alternative radio where some of the singles were getting weirder and cooler like like Ween Voodoo Lady mixed with like Pavement Cut Your Hair and Dinosaur Jr. and Sonic Youth you know the I saw that Lollapalooza that Sonic Youth was on and then that you know the gateway into that's like the Drag City catalog that you know through Pavement like get the Hey Drag City comp because Pavement's on it but all those bands they're playing weird tunings and like it's I don't know I think through the banjo is kind of just an open tuning and uh having started with that and not gotten traditional guitar, you know, traditional guitar lessons that got banjo lessons where uh, I just wouldn't have even, I, I would have had some, like, some a bunch of rules, guitar rules, you know, beforehand. Yeah. Had I started with the guitar. It also kind of just, well, it makes sense even just listening to your music now that some of the cadence of what, of 
of words and stuff like that goes with a more of like a finger picking oriented situation. But did your cousin let you join his band once the? Uh, uh, well, he no, uh, not that particular band, but he he had, he was definitely like. Uh, I'd say from high school on, we would take breaks from at times, and he would join another a band, and then that band would. Like I remember, I had a band with him and my friend John Newman, the bass player. I have a song about him called "Song for John and D," because he passed away when we were younger. But like, anyway, anyway, he, like we had a high school band. It was awesome, and and then he went. He got. He took this jam band. He was joined. Was really playing a lot of shows so he, he went off and did that and same then I moved to Boston at one point and I came back and he was in this band who's who's still in that I really like Frog Holler but it's like an Americana band from outside of Philly but um and then but he would play with me and he, he played in the first incarnation of using the the violators actually and he's, he's he's on my song Freeway the recording and Freak Train uh the recording but anyway um so we always played in and out, but yeah, not with the banjo. Not with, I didn't. I but, never used the banjo in, in any of those bands. But were the things that you're some of the things other than like the sort of entry level kind of Hendrix type stuff, the whether it's pavement or whatever, was that stuff that your cousin was kind of hepping you to? Or? No, no, that was stuff that anybody, any of my friends, like it wasn't just my you went cousin, to their, like uh, right. It was just what like was in that alternative and then grunge era, I mean, whatever kids are listening to. It was just going around all of a sudden. You know, that's just what you do when you become a teenager, come of age. There's all kinds of weird stuff. And skateboarding, too. Skate videos. Oh, right. man. You know, toy machines, skate videos here. Fugazi on there, Sonic Youth. All, all kinds of crazy things going on. You know, a lot of, a lot of ways to pick up on music that's, that's happening. So when you were first starting to, to learn to play banjo, learn to play music in general, it was at the same time as you were finding... This music that you liked, the uh, st- songs you were hearing in the skate video, you, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, that, yeah, and uh, and also, I my my banjo thing was just sort of like it was, could be jokey. Like I had a song called "Skate Bitch" about it, you know, about like it's like a groupie skate skater groupies, you know, <laughs> things like that. Well, I, you know, it wasn't meant to be non PC. I was too young for that. So that's not what I mean. You know, when you say somebody's your bitch, I could say a, a dude is my bitch. You know, this yeah. is my bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh. That was more, yeah. I, the banjo thing was always like a solo thing, so I always sort of had the solo thing, and then I had a band on the side, you know. And it took a while for the the solo thing. I think was always entertaining. Uh, I could entertain people solo, and then the band thing took a while. It'd be like noisy and out of tune. It's tricky with electricity, isn't it? What, did you? I mean, did, at that point, when you're a kid, like at just an actual kid, where anything you do is a hobby. Um, did it still immediately feel like something very important to you once once you actually had an instrument to play? No, definitely. And I, I kind of was, I was doing, um, I don't know, I made recordings in my house. I made them on a tape recorder and I felt serious right away. I was, I was super into listening to music obsessively and, and writing music. And then there was a, you know, a couple years into my playing my own music, somebody recorded me on a four track good friend of mine's older brother and I, I listened back and then I was like because I was big into skateboarding and I was like oh, today music beats skateboarding skateboarding was my main obsession and then yeah then I knew I just wanted to do music uh, just hear myself back it was pretty awesome on a four track it seemed like it might as well have been a you know hi-fi studio it sounded so professional to me like 
real like I could hear the talent and I just the angst of, but also the angst and also it's like ego combined because obviously it's not, you, you know, it's like it's so much better than it pro- in your in your mind it's so much better than it really is but it's like a com- good combination of like uh, something you created and like ego or something and <laughs> yeah. it would have been it would have been a song you were it would have been a yeah. song you wrote yeah it's definitely a song that i wrote right right and at that point like who who you know if you were emulating anyone's conspicuously at that point who would have been the big uh well there always a bunch of different people but i i'd say well in that particular recording recording it's kind of angsty to be honest i had like distortion on my vocal so i can't say but it was a 12 string acoustic 12 string I'm never going to say the title because I don't want somebody to try to find it. But anyway, uh, I don't know. Sorry, I got something. Oh, that's okay. Um, go on. Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, who were, you know, you mentioned things like Pavement. Or yeah, things definitely like Pavement. That. And also, I, I'll tell you the classic things that still stick, like Credence Clearwater. That's also, I, like, uh, my dad had a tape of that. I loved that. Um, definitely, you know, p- people like, that was a good era for Beck, you know. All this oh, stuff's yeah. so accessible and it. Beck was like the Bob Dylan of my, you know, time in his own way. I'm actually saying that because somebody's mom said that when I was a teenager. A lot of things I say, I'm literally <laughs> subliminally cl- always stealing it from somewhere else. Like, oh, but really? I agree with that. I agree with that. About... <laughs> it's like the Bob Dylan of my time. Well, that, that like, you know, One Foot in the Grave album. One Foot in the Grave, Stereopathetic Soul Manor, uh, Mellow Gold. Yeah. And uh, who Rob Schnapp, who did record Pretty Pimpin' and my last record and Wild Imagination, Believe Him Going Down, and some songs on this new album, he, he started Bongload with a dude and recorded these, like Black Hole by, uh, hit the last song on Mellow Gold, incredible. Uh, yeah, I love that era of Beck. I mean, I, not, you know, I, I'm nostalgic about that era, you know, hardcore. But, um, yeah, and also just seeing him go from there into Odelay, and then he, you know, then he was like on top. For a second, you know, it was pretty cool to what this guy, you know, it, it was, and it, I guess the excitement was that, uh, yeah, he was mixing these things. It was like pop mixed with like the noise and the blues. But anyway, there was all these other bands around, obviously, who have been doing it longer than him. But coming like uh, weirder bands, but co- coming out on like a mainstream alternative radio, like it, it was a cool time, you know, it's like yeah. it, like singles by Sonic Youth and, and Pavement and, and Ween, um, weird stuff. Uh, Every so often we get an era like that where stuff that is genuinely weird somehow gets to be heard by people who don't normally yeah, gravitate gonna, toward weird shit. I'm going to have to get a little weirder. <laughs> can you please yeah. please get weirder trying. so i mean and and once you were obviously serious about it were your parents uh like did they get it did they get the sort of like i play music now mom they were always encouraging and proud for yeah sure. i you're one of very many siblings mm-hmm. you have you're one of 10 children yes and did any of the youngers get into music in your in your wake um who got into music they i'd say about half of us play various forms of music um yeah my brother sam my brother paul my brother luke plays drums and then yeah my youngest sister madeline she's a really amazing violin player and really amazing actually i I think she put it down but she could pick it up anytime, and she's into playing guitar now, apparently. And my oldest sister, she played a little keyboard, but not really. 
my dad picked up violin later in life, which is pretty cool because they say somebody said that that you usually can't do that, but I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. Don't forget, forget I said that was another thing somebody else said. I don't know. It seems like it would seem hard to me. Do you guys ever play together once? Once enough? Once there were a few of you? Uh, yeah, we've jammed for def- around the yeah at that you know around the holidays or something. Play some country jam. And yeah, my cousin was very. My cousin Dan's very involved in that too. He he got heavy into bluegrass through my dad and and I appreciated bluegrass in the old time, but I didn't get into. I still appreciate that, but it, then my dad got it more into Delta blues, like, like the folk anthology. Then I got. Then I was like in my early twenties, and I, it was like it, it made more sense to me. And then I saw there was sort of like that John Fahey thing, and uh, whatever. I'm trailing, but you know what I mean. Had anyone in your family ever been a professional musician before? No, to this day, I'm the only professional musician. (laughs) 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 Um, I appreciate your professionalism. (laughs) Um. So did you, because you know, and I know that you work just like jobby jobs or whatever, yeah. like um, as a young adult and everything, but you know, K, did, K jobby job. did it, did it when you were a kid and really just loving it and without thinking about the future? I mean, you know, yeah. When did you start to think maybe I could find a way to do this as the thing I do? Um, well, I would, I was really hoping or honestly, ever since I heard that one recording back when I was in my, how old was I, 17, 16? And then I made a tape by the time I was 17, 60-minute tape. And but uh, and then I would, yeah, I don't know. I got old, a little older, late teen, early, late teens into my 20s, definitely playing, gigging around, but not really know much. It wasn't until my early 20s, passing around CDRs and bands that actually had you know, we're on labels, we're like responding to my stuff, but it still took forever for me to get people to put my stuff out. So I, I probably got worried, but honestly, very early on, I would say my teens, that's, I knew that's all, what I knew I wanted to do with my life. And I, and back then I wouldn't be like, oh, I hope it happens. I'd be like, when it happens. And maybe, you know, once I got slightly beat down and, and feel like trying and trying and putting out these cool recordings, but I think I'm just kind of awkward. Maybe I just couldn't, it just took me a minute to get people to actually put out my stuff. I, I will say by the time I was like in my early twenties, 23, especially I, I started recording songs that I've actually put out, you know, on labels that I, I deemed like legit tunes. I still think they're good to this day, but then there's, there's a lot of learning in there. Uh, not everything. No, they weren't all chestnuts. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they can't they can't all be yeah and and what about the performing side of things i mean what when did that start to feel like part of the fun i mean or was it always part of well i think i could always perform i've always sort of had a career i would i could always round up a scene in my little miniature scene but i say especially solo you know i could be like I could do this thing solo that people liked right away. The band, the the rock and roll thing, it took a long time before. It's once you get amplifiers involved and things, there's like a lot of bad shows to be seen. <laughs> Growing up, you know, you know, like people who've been with me since the beginning, you know. I mean, honestly, like literally, just I would say this record. We finally have this crew that like sound man that's awesome and the band click. Like we've only really just gotten professional. And how old am I? I'm 38. 
<laughs> this is like, this is me. I finally arrived this year. Who are some of the artists that, you know, are your, are your contemporaries, um, or, you know, or, you know, even older, but that you look to for kind of, uh, sort of a, what would, what would Jesus do kind of, uh, figures? you know, my, my, as in contemporaries or as in people like Neil Young or something? Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, people like Neil Young or something, but I guess also maybe it's elevating it too much to put it in the what would Jesus do category, but just artists who, you know, in more recent years, you think like, you know what, they, it's not all fucked out here, you know, like these, obviously Courtney Barnett is someone with whom you've worked well, directly. Well, Courtney, yeah, I, she was very, such a beautiful voice, uh, and I had met her anyway, and I, I, I connected with her anyway and I but then all of a sudden yeah through the power of music and that song the press then I fell in love with I loved I loved other songs too but I I just wanted to do one song with her it was like uh, I there's all kinds of people even that first band I mentioned blues control like they they invited me and Jesse to play on one of their like their Silk Breeze album local flavor in the in the 2000s and I was like that's somebody I'd want to collaborate with or like uh you know, Kim Gordon finally had her play on something, but I don't, you know, anybody like that I'd want to play with, Jay Maskus, and he invited me to play on his solo record back in 2010. There's all kinds, yeah, you know, Jay Maskus. What would Jay Maskus do? What does he play? What does he use? Um, what would Steve Malkmus, I, I just jammed with Steve Malkmus finally in uh, Amsterdam. Oh, there's nice. There's all kinds of people. Uh, and then as far, yeah, there's, uh, I would say one band I just worship, and it's the, the realest band I can think of that I know are the this band, the Sadies. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen them live, but it's just unbelievable, and they're two brothers from Canada. Uh, pe dude, uh, people don't even, not even that, plenty of people in the know know them, but not nearly as many as should. But we're touring with them in, in March and February in the States. You should come. I... I should, I will, and also everyone else should, should also come. Everyone else in the world. <laughs> no should. dates. No, no, sh no places mentioned. No dates. No, just go to the plug it into. Just go and plug just it. Go. There's a URL. Go yeah. into a plug it into a URL. But I mean, what what aspect of your, you know, sort of going back to the idea of like how your songwriting process or whatever has changed, you know, what aspect of putting together a song do, do you feel like you've improved at the most? Well, I can't. I never write just one specific style of song. I got different styles of songs. I got like the finger picker, heartbreakers, and the acoustic strummers, and then the rock songs. Like I've developed some cool, closer. It's somewhere between uh, Neil Young and I Love Rock and Roll, or something like uh, KV Crimes. You know, from uh, Waking Up Every Day and Pretty Days album, and then there's other epic songs on there like. Waking on a Pretty Day and Gold Tone, which are like, you know, I feel like I'm always exploring new territory. And then, and then the, this most recent record, I guess it's a combination of two different things. And I, I think in a way, it's sometimes the songs have a little less structure when they're long on this record. And that was just the kind of record I was making. I'd say my brain was definitely more scattered. You know, I don't know. You get a little older and things get a little crazier. The world makes makes you a little freaked out. Scattered, my life is scattered, and but then there's other moments where you know I got this fine-tuned uh, sort of rock song like Loading Zones or um, or like you're covering an AM Gold song by uh, 
Charlie Rich and there's like this concise pop situation. There's so many different kinds of song and I, I really think I have, I don't like uh, have too many rules so I, I feel like I can always just go in and out of these different things and uh, just go to the piano. I like to go to the piano at home, you know, and there's all kinds of outlets, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, just focus on one thing or explain any which which style or which way you know I'm, I'm gonna go at any moment you know do you feel i mean i don't see i don't sense that you're like a person who has allowed the concept of external pressure to really affect you know what you're doing with your music in, in any given moment but mm, yeah sure but then there always is a little there there always is a little in some ways but it's more for my, myself i, I want to uh, yeah, I think uh, this record in particular, I was like, oh, this is this is out of the park. This is my best record ever. And every record is my best record ever. But it is, like songs like Check Baby, they do go on for a while. There's a lot of verses and it's cool. But, it, but I get so close to it. I'm so into it. And then then I put it out there. And uh, certain songs, uh, it's fun to play Check Baby Live, for instance. Um, and uh, Skinny Mini, which is very long. We play that live every night. And they're both really long on the records. And then we come down a little bit live which is kind of funny because a lot of times the other thing happens <laughs> a lot of times the other thing happens where you jam it out longer but um it really um but i do i'm all i'm i'm always improving and uh sometimes i uh sometimes i think i i, I don't know i think i got like uh i know i have a hit record in me yeah i've uh i've had all kinds of versions of hit records uh but i don't I don't think I quite have. I'm I'm gonna have a few. Let me just tell you. I promise I'm gonna have like a few different hit records in my lifetime. I of which I believe that. Yeah, thanks. But um, and I have all kinds of hit songs. And, you know, some of them were really hit, hits, and some are like, uh, I know they're hit songs that like everybody's got their own niche. And I got all a bunch of songs. You know, my first album I called a constant hit maker, and uh, there's hits on there. There's like poppy tunes like Freeway and breathing out and don't get cute and they're varying in audio quality for sure and um or songs like baby's arms on smoking from a halo or uh peeping tomboy which courtney you know made her cry so much that she had to cover that and uh that's just some examples jumping around but i know that i have like uh this really beautiful sort of somewhere between pop music and folk and any everything in between I've got a record like that, and I've got a bunch of other records. I'm very competitive as well. Okay, so yeah, well, that was going to be my follow-up question was just, yeah, so the idea that, I mean, you know, we, there's, there's hit with a capital H and hit with a lowercase h, right? Like the the things that were just like, yeah, we would agree it's a hit, but it doesn't become a hit or something. Yeah. But the idea of having a song that, uh, un, that officially becomes like a top yeah. 40 hit, that's something you would like that you intend to do. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like, well, I'm going to try not to. I would hate if I got a hit record and it ended up, I did it by totally losing all my balls and getting off <laughs> like, uh, you know, like real smooth or something. Bruno Mars. Suddenly you're going to Bruno Mars. Song. <laughs> That's no! it's not that way. <laughs> right. But I mean, cause it's interesting. Cause I was actually just, you know, leading up to this, <laughs> gonna say okay so well 
you're you're not at this point you must be sort of just like fuck it if i have a hit or not because this is all this is this is all going kind of this is great i get to do this uh, shit i'm gonna i'm gonna have a hit and i i i can feel it this this is an important record because i love this record uh but um it gave us all this new material to play and now we can play so much different there's so many different big songs throughout these bunch of records seven eight records not including EPs that we can pull from now and now and the live shows are really tight now and rocking and um, I see the fans out there and uh, I can see like you know it's the kind of music that's um, you can be obsessed I'm obsessive and uh, it's kind of like varying levels of emotional you know depending so like I feel like uh, the fans are pretty dedicated and I have and that's another thing I have a lot a lot of maybe my contemporaries that I mentioned that I respect and you know varying various bands I've been involved with or in my or in my circle I have more records than most of those people I've you know like a so I don't know I just think that uh it's going really good and I can see it in the our performance I could see it in the fans but I could, uh yeah but I still have yet to have like a swing out of the park hit record of which i will who who's your sort of go-to person when you want honest feedback on a song that you're working on uh well i got a great crew here you know the violators spare no you know and it's it's fun to even live to extend it to live like our tour manager craig mcquiston he tour manages the war on drugs as well he's real verbal uh which is awesome like i love i love the help and uh our sound man aaron is every I don't know people I trust, and then yeah, somebody like uh, Rob Schnaff, great producer. He's he's one of my favorite people to work with. Um, I I'm not trying to think of a musician. I mean, I guess just I mean like, what's the is is there any one person who's particularly the barometer where it's just like okay, like who's the first person who gets who's the first person you play a new song for? You know, I'll tell you the people I play the new song for are usually um, right in the studio. I don't right, like it. right. Like, Whoever's then, closest. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Stella, Stella Mazgawa, who is a good friend of mine that plays drums, incredible, you know, from Warpaint, and she uh, definitely the previous record, uh, Pretty Pimpin'. I brought that over to her house before we went in and recorded it, and that was cool. Yeah, all kind. Of, I got lots of different people, like my 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 uh, band. My immediate band, but then I got like this these other people I get to play with too that aren't even in my steady band. It's pretty cool. It's like some I got the violators and then I got all these other people I can play with if I want to too. If I get it you know, needing to escape. <laughs> are you are you do you are you flexible about songs when they're at that phase? Or you do you like getting constructive criticism or sort of like once the song once it's there you're Sorry, say that one more time. I said, are you receptive to constructive criticism from people on a song that's still... I am, and uh, (laughs) me and my... I'll tell you, I collaborate a lot with my bandmate, Rob Laxo, and it was funny, I did this uh, Spotify session, and we were in the studio for a second, we did a cover of uh, Rolling Stones, and I was so glad he was there. Uh, We did uh, No Expectations, and he played bass. Like, me and him bounce off, off of each other really good, and I will say sometimes in the moment... Yeah, he'll, he'll, I could be defensive. He could say he wouldn't like something or he'll take it a different, you know, 
he'll take the song a different direction. It's a push and pull. You know, once in a while you get annoyed or... But ultimately, it's good to have these people that I can fucking bounce off of and... I'm lucky. Very lucky. What do your girls think of your tunes? They love it. They do. <laughs> what, are their fans. what are their favorite songs? These days, their favorites are... I've been playing some oldies for them. Like, Don't Get Cute and Breathing Out. Um, and uh, Freeway in Mind. But they, you know... Uh, Wilda, my oldest, she always requests that I play Jesus Fever. Delphine likes me to do Pretty Pimpin' in a, in a weird voice. Uh, that's just some examples. They but love... They, but they... Does it reinforce the idea that, like, kids know what a... Not a hit, you know, going I'll back tell to you, the kids know what a hit is, funny, kind of? It's true. Well, the, uh, there's two things. One, you know Roger Miller, like the country... Yeah. Pop? Well, they... Uh, you know that song, Dang Me, which is so good, but, like, he... The producer, I think... Kennedy? I forget his name. Whatever. Um, I think his last name's Kennedy. I could be wrong. Uh, he's only a, just a legendary producer, that's all, from <laughs> Nashville. <laughs> but um, he platted on a reel-to-reel, and he, there was another song first, and then Dang Me came after it, and they were already going to press the singles, and his son started like dancing, was like, boop, 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 for, for the Dang Me. He's like, no, nah, this is the hit, and he got on the phone, and you know, he repressed Stop it, and presses. became number one. But um, similar, I got a lot, bunch of, yeah, uh, you know, various brothers and sisters, but my sisters have kids, and definitely the last record, Believe Him Going Down, after Pretty Pimpin' came out, um, and certain friends who have kids, they're, all the kids look at me differently now, because it's just kid, kids like that shit. They do. It's weird. They look, they're like, oh, Uncle Kurt. <laughs> That's what they you look at me different. You have a f- informal census group now for yeah. all your hit, your hit crafting. You get yeah. all of the nieces and nephews and the kids together. You'd be like, yeah. "All right, hold up." They could give them Olympic judge cards or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's where I'll wrap things up with you, Kurt. Oh, sweet! Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank all you so right. much. No for problem. Doing this. Yeah, for sure. What a dude. Kurt Vile, ladies and gentlemen. And as I mentioned earlier, he and his band, The Violators, are back on tour in North America, starting in the coming days. And coming up next in episode 22 of LSQ, I dug into my audio archive for an excerpt from an interview with Rivers Cuomo that I did for Rolling Stone back in the early aughts, around when Weezer's album Maladroit was coming out. You know, in late January, they surprised the world with a covers album, a self-titled LP known as the Teal Album, and in the weeks ahead, they're going to be putting out a self-titled 13th studio album with a black cover, and for a guy who grew up with Metallica as one of his favorite bands, I guess a black album by Weezer was inevitable. So let's listen to a bit of what Rivers had to say back in early 02, I suppose, about his love of metal. I guess the key is to come up with a style that that integrates as much of your personality as you possibly can. Right. So that when people meet you, they... They aren't surprised at all, and they feel like they've known you their whole lives. Do you think you're continually working toward that? I think so. I, I feel like the first album was a very consciously limited sound. Mm-hmm. Um, very consciously excluding many elements of my musical upbringing. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've finally started to let some more of myself out in my music. 
it's just natural. I mean, you can only repress parts of yourself for so long before they just start bursting out. Right. And I think eventually I'll feel like I'm, I'm fully expressing myself in our music. And not just myself, but all four of us. Right. And most recently, the the uh, thing that's been integrated, I guess, is more obvious metal. Yeah. Than before. But, you know, I, I guess the thing is, I was listening to the record today in the car, and, you know, intentionally listening for, like, the metal stuff, you know, because... I knew that was something that you were interested in doing, and then I thought to myself, well, people are going to think that this is sarcastic, you know? Yeah. I guess it's like people think, <laughs> you can't be serious. Yeah. That's really sad. <laughs> I'm like the guy who says something very sincerely, and everyone laughs and thinks it's hysterical, so I just have to go along with it. <laughs> I'm at least I'm getting some kind of attention. <laughs> But when you were you were in high school, what music were you? I mean, you say you started playing guitar when you were thirteen. What what were the things that you initially got really really excited about? What was your first favorite band? Kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Quiet Riot, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Scorpions, Metallica, Slayer. Kind of going in chronological order here. Um, and if I had to hold up one band as a symbol of my high school years that represented what I was about in high school, it would be Metallica. Really? Yeah. Did you look like a metal kid? Were you all metaled out? Or? Yeah. Long hair? Yep. When did you grow out of being visibly a metalhead? Um, when did the hair get cut off? Well, right after high school, I moved to L.A. And... Um, I got a job at Tower Records on Sunset, and I started getting exposed to all different kinds of music, like the Pixies and Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. And at first it just sounded like a bunch of noise to me, <laughs> but then I started to really like it, and then suddenly metal started to seem kind of f- foolish. Right. And then we got Weezer together. And, and then you repressed the metal. <laughs> and then, then I... Repressed the metal and uh, very consciously went in another direction, like most of my generation did, I yeah, think. Yeah, totally. Or at least the musicians did. And uh, yeah, and I, I know so many guitar players that very consciously had to hold back their style because suddenly metal just felt really dumb. Yeah. And uh, I, I still feel like I'm trying to work out that conflict and, and integrate this, the music that I grew up loving with with what I think is cool now. Did you, did it's it not an like, easy task. Did it come like a moment of clarity like within the past few years or so where you're like, fuck it, I, really, I still really love this stuff? Or was it just sort of a gradual thing? Well, I, think, I think after Pinkerton, there, there was definitely... I felt a need to reevaluate what was going on because mm-hmm. things felt kind of contrived. Right. And I was hearing all new kinds of music at the time that was really kicking my ass. Such as? Ironically, techno. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like Prodigy, mm-hmm. Crystal Method. Right. And I, I, was, I was becoming painfully aware that that sort of music 
rocked a lot more than what I was doing. <laughs> and if I enjoyed going to those kind of concerts. Oh, and spiritualized kicked my ass too at that time. So I, I just became determined to open myself up to guitar playing again and, and really have fun and just be more instinctual on the guitar. Did it take did it take uh, a while to work up your chops? No, I never lost my chops. <laughs> Well, that does indeed bring us to the end of episode 22 of the LSQ podcast. Massive thanks to Kurt Vile for his time and candor, and thanks to Rennie Jaffe for making that interview happen. Also, of course, thanks to Rivers Cuomo, and most of all, thanks to you for listening. If you don't already subscribe, consider doing that. I've got some episodes coming up you won't want to miss, including interviews with perfume geniuses Mike Hadrius, Bob Mould, Hamilton Lighthouser, Royal Trucks' Jennifer Harima. Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons, uh, Lauren Mayberry of Churches, and much more. It's going to be a great year on the LSQ pod. So yeah, subscribe, leave feedback, etc. And you can always reach me on Twitter at JennyLSQ. LSQ.